Hello, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show. Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 256, recorded on Friday the 12th of April 2019 at 1923.59. This week's episode title is a play on East Bay Ray. He is the guitarist for the Dead Kennedys, for you old-school punk fans. And it has been a very busy evening. If you've been looking at my Twitter feed, I was watching the Star Wars Episode Nine panel at the Star Wars Celebration. When I say at, I mean virtually at. I was watching live on YouTube. But more on that in a bit. If you are new and tuning in for the first time, and yes, I've already said that in my little intro bit, but sometimes it does pay to reiterate what this show is about. If you're a geek, then this is for you. That is the simplest way I can put it. I covered pop culture and technology in my last few journalism gigs, and I'm doing the same here. Only with a more personal touch, although, to be honest, I was a columnist, so that did have quite a lot of the personal touch. And the other thing is, I do two types of show. Both are geeky, but one is a round-up of everything I find interesting in the world of geek. I'm doing one of those right now. You're listening to it. It includes personal projects. The other is specific to one particular topic. For example, when I have a guest, or my ongoing epic rewatch of all vintage Doctor Who episodes. And that one's really good, so I suggest you do subscribe. I'm doing one right after this as well. Well, not right after this, when I've watched the last remaining episodes. I'm about halfway through the current story, which is Day of the Daleks. Why am I telling you all this stuff all over again? The thing is, I seem to be really hard to find on iTunes. I think it's because I do the tech stuff and the geek stuff in a single show, but always start with culture and then move on to technology in each episode. Shows that do both usually do so the other way round. They'll start off with technology and move on to things that they're watching and reading and playing and all that sort of stuff. What I'm trying to say is my show gives you the whole geek experience. Although I'm not unique, there are others out there. But I would like to get the word out about my show as well. So whatever you can do to help me do that by giving me a review or just getting into contact really does help. I'm going to bore you by saying that at the bottom of the show as well. So there's a pre-bottom of the show spoiler. That's not really funny. Okay, and here's the bit I'm assuming that a lot of you have tuned in for. Star Wars. I actually 
watched the Star Wars Celebration panel live on YouTube and waited until the Star Wars Episode 9 trailer hit the internet before recording this podcast. I was also delayed because I tweeted a lot of pictures from that panel. So let's listen to that right now. And by the way, I've spliced in some of the live cheering to give you a sense of how excited people were. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now. But this is your fight. very exciting. Oh, my voice is cracking a bit from the excitement, even though I watched it more than a few minutes ago. The movie will be released on the 19th of December 2019 in the UK and other places, I'm assuming. It is the last film of the Skywalker saga and will be the start of a break as the Star Wars films go on hiatus, though movies will still be in development according to Disney. I'm glad. I really love Star Wars, but keeping up with all this stuff is really hard. The films are very good. They appeal to the Star Wars geek in me. Original geek. I was there right at the first film. But yeah, perhaps it is time for a Star Wars break. Oh, and about that trailer that you just heard, it hints that 
Palpatine, evil emperor, or perhaps his legacy in some form may be back. And even more so because Ian McDiarmid appeared on stage at the end of the Star Wars Celebration panel to re-roll the trailer to the backdrop of a baying audience. And who can really blame them? I know, if I was there, I would be screaming myself hoarse. Billy D. Williams, the original Lando Calrissian, is also on the IMDb cast list, and he was there on the panel, which, as soon as it's up and you can watch it, if you didn't watch it live, I suggest that you do, because it's quite entertaining and it has all the main cast. It is amazing. Yeah, there are some from the original Star Wars and there are a couple of new faces, really iconic actors, like Richard E. Grant in an unnamed role. Personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing Palpatine again. <laughs> He's one of my favourite characters. This really does feel like it's going to be big. And it's also going to be directed by J.J. Abrams again. And I'm definitely going to be watching this. So as I said, like every other Star Wars geek in the world, I watched live on YouTube. But if you were lucky enough to be at the Star Wars celebration in Chicago from the 11th to the 15th, then lucky you. At the Star Wars celebration, there will be more news about the TV shows The Mandalorian and the unnamed spy thriller starring Diego Luna, the guy who played Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Although, when I am recording this episode and by the time I've edited it and uploaded it, I probably won't have any more information on The Mandalorian or that spy thriller, but I'll be working on that and you'll hear some more, no doubt. Although I couldn't attend the Star Wars celebration, I have this year marked May the 4th in my calendar, so I won't miss it as I usually do, and I'll probably be doing something on that day. I'm not sure what. I think the most likely scenario is I do a rewatch with a big bag of popcorn. But man, I am so looking forward to December. And we now even have a title, and it's such an exciting title. Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. Okay, I'll stop now. And that is all the Star Wars news I have this week. Let's do some other culture stuff now. Google celebrated the 100th anniversary of the Bauhaus design movement today with a bright, colourful, abstract, geometric doodle inspired by the work of artist and Bauhaus school teacher, the Russian Vasily Kandinsky. The Bauhaus school was founded by an architect called Walter Grupius, a hundred years ago, in the city of Weimar, Germany. I'm not an expert on abstract art, but 
I do know a little bit from an encyclopedia. I think it was a Faden Encyclopedia of Expressionism that I renewed and renewed and renewed and renewed so many times many years ago. But if you haven't seen anything by people like Kandinsky, I strongly urge you to, because there's something very satisfying and, I don't know, science fiction about his work, some of which would make really amazing wallpapers. So check out Vasily Kandinsky. Oh, and by the way, I'm a fan of the band Bauhaus. And I suppose there is a tenuous connection between goth, rock, or music inspired by film noir, and abstract art. It's certainly on their album cover. Next, The Boy. When I first saw the trailer for The Boy in 2016 at the cinema, I was scornful. and may have snorted derisively as well. And I was put off watching it until about a week ago, when, with literally nothing better to do, I thought I'd give it a try. I was that desperate. It's about a babysitter or child sitter who is employed to look after, and this really isn't giving anything away because it was in the trailer, a doll. And when I saw it, I thought, that's really obvious what the twist is. And when I saw the movie, they didn't actually use that twist. They used something way more obvious. But until the film loses it with that crassly predictable denouement, it's an effective enough horror mystery. Until that point, it is okay. And that is The Boy from 2016. What else? Ah, yes. About that new Walking Dead spin-off. Not Fear the Walking Dead, which has been out for a long time, but a brand new one. TV Line and io9 report that the third Walking Dead spin-off will center on two women growing up in the zombie apocalypse. It is great that there are more women-focused dramas, but I don't care, because as I've said on numerous occasions, season 9 is my last, and that's happened now. So that's it. Glenn's gone, Rick's gone, hell, even Shiva the Tiger's gone. But Negan's stupid face is still there. And the story hasn't progressed. Where's the science fiction? They had that CDC thing that went nowhere ages and ages ago. And instead, it's turned into a Renaissance fair soap opera. And with the snowy finale of season 9 now aired, I'm out. I am totally out. Good night and goodbye.
The Walking Dead. Also recently, I borrowed Bloody Mary, which is a 2016 trade paperback collection of the 2001 Image Comics Bloody Mary issues 1 to 4 and Bloody Mary Lady Liberty 1 to 4. Like a lot of things, this is something I read a while back, but never talked about it in the podcast, or at least I couldn't find it in my show notes. In the universe of Bloody Mary, a sort of reverse Brexit happened, with Europe going Nazi and the UK and US fighting back. Bloody Mary is an American assassin who teams up with the Major, an amnesiac, happy, crazily fighty British soldier of the moustache, beret and tally-ho variety. And she does this to destroy a weapon system that turns enemy soldiers into monstrous, unkillable super-soldiers. Where have we heard that? Overlord, anyone? It is fun, and it is gritty, and it is completely crazy, as you'd expect from any creative partnership comprising of 2000 AD slash Preacher, etc. writer Garth Ennis and the late great artist Carlos Ezquerra. The Major's a very entertaining character with an exceedingly funny vocabulary, and I'm reminded somewhat of the occasional partnership of Johnny Alpha and Middenface McNulty in 2000 AD's Strontium Dog. And here's a little sample of the Major, when he's asked about what happened in his recent mission and how did it go. Wizard! Dropped in, banjoed the buggers in no time flat and stopped in for a swift half in the local beer keller. Oh, and it is very bloody and very gory. Tally-ho. I do wonder what Garth Ennis thinks in retrospect, considering that instead it is the UK and the US that went right-wing. <sighs> Strange. And now let's move on to technology. And the big news this week is that Julian Assange was arrested. The UK police, invited in by the Ecuadorian embassy staff yesterday, have arrested the WikiLeaks founder for feigning to surrender to the court over a warrant issued in 2012. Assange also faces possible sexual offence charges in Sweden and conspiracy to commit computer intrusion for agreeing to break a password to a classified US government computer which carries a maximum sentence of five years. Assange originally accepted an offer of asylum by the Ecuadorian government and sought refuge in their London embassy after accepting leaked information from U.S. Army whistleblower Chelsea Manning. 
and that information included the infamous collateral murder video showing US forces murdering civilians, including to Reuters reporters. And what is the fallout from all this? Assange's native Australia have washed their hands of him. Trump, who benefited greatly from Assange's release of emails from Hillary Clinton's campaign boss, John Podesta's account, now claims to not know what WikiLeaks is. Which is really strange, because he mentioned WikiLeaks by name, and he also said that he was a fan many, many times. So the question is, why did the Ecuadorians let the police arrest him? President Marino of Ecuador called Assange a nuisance and an inherited problem because it was the previous government who granted him asylum. Marino said Ecuador withdrew asylum because of, and I'm quoting here, repeated violations to international conventions and daily life protocols. Remember that daily life protocols, because I'm going to talk about what I think they are just in a bit. He further claimed that Assange installed electronic and distortion equipment, confronted and mistreated guards, and accessed security files. From all that, I get the impression that the Ecuadorians just got fed up of having a messy, nerdy bloke and his cat as extended house guests. And that really sounds quite funny, especially if you are, like me, a nerdy bloke, until you think about what he is facing, for initially just doing the right thing. Ah. I don't know. It's not the greatest news. Let's move on to something more cheerful. Oh, thank goodness for that. The first ever supermassive black hole image was taken. It was recently produced by interpolating the data gathered by a global array of radio telescopes networked together to form the Event Horizon Telescope. I'm assuming the measured electromagnetic data was assigned colours that we commonly associate with temperature variances visible to our human eyes. That is, we know that white is hotter than red. And a bit about that black hole. It's supermassive because it is 6.5 billion times the size of our sun. 6.5 billion. And the sun itself is unimaginably huge. It's really hard to get your mind around that. I also heard and read somewhere that black holes are probably at the centre of each galaxy holding everything together because everything orbits around everything else. So what better way than holding things together in the centre of the galaxy by having this enormous gravity magnet thing? I also learned that 
this black hole is 55 million light years away. That is, it would take light from Earth 55 million years to reach this black hole. And it is at the center of the Messier 87 galaxy. If you want to see a picture of that black hole, I tweeted it, and a link to that tweet is in the show notes. And there's also a picture of the Event Horizon Telescope's global array. Exciting stuff. Star Wars and a supermassive black hole. Ah. Next, Google Wing. This is Google's drone delivery service, and it is on trial in Canberra, Australia. The drones are ungainly-looking birds. They are something like tiny versions of Howard Hughes's Spruce Goose, which you'll know if you've seen the Leonardo DiCaprio film The Aviator, which is excellent. And these drones have fat fuselages for carrying payloads and one backward-facing propeller on each wing. There are also rails parallel to the fuselage fitted on each wing and each carrying six rotor blades. Wow. So there are six on each rail, two on the wing structure, coming to a total of 12, 14 spinning things. Hmm. Seems a bit complex. But apparently, and after mentioning all those spinning things, noisy drones, what a surprise, will be delivering takeaways and coffee. This next item is something I discovered while trying to read an article behind a paywall, which is really, really annoying. And it concerns the Tor browser. So, going on Tor to access the dark net, to, oh, I don't know, try and buy nuclear missiles with bitcoins, is getting dodgy with surveilled exit nodes. But one thing you can still do without having a bunch of black-clad nutters crash through your door is circumvent paywalls. The New York Times has a hidden onion service address that you can use to read their articles with the Tor browser. And they have this because they want to make their articles available even in places where they are blocked. But just because the New York Times are doing that does not make them extra generous because even through their hidden onion service, there is still a paywall. they doing? But the first stage of this little tip is to go to that Onion site using the Tor browser, and there's a link to it in the show notes. When you're browsing the New York Times site on the dark web, and you finally hit the paywall and run out of free articles, click on the Onion icon at the top left of the Tor browser toolbar and choose New Identity. Then continue reading. Please, news people out there, stop it with the paywalls. It makes no sense.
And on top of that, every time you put up a paywall, people like me will find a way around it. Next, still on tech, the hidden UI. And this is something I've just learned about which proves how long I've been out of the development game because I didn't know that there's a reason we can no longer find anything in our apps. It's the trend of tidying up the UI, called, in some circles, the hidden UI. This is done to make the interface look less busy. Unfortunately, as UIs can have too much information, which is the reason for this design trend, the converse, with UIs showing too little, is also true, as I have found much to my frustration. This is the reason you can no longer find anything in Skype or iTunes. You'd have thought that a couple of the world's richest companies would know how to not foul this up. But no, they don't. Look, if you're a dev or designer working for Apple or Microsoft and probably have shares in the company, what are you doing? Why are you trying to make it more difficult? Fix this. And now moving on to something that really annoys me about modern tech to something that doesn't. And that is my anthropomorphizing technology. I say thanks or hey, depending on whether automatic opening doors are doing a good job or trying to kill me. And frankly, I thought I was the only one. But this little girl out for a walk with her mum the other day did exactly that. She loudly thanked the door for opening for her, which proves that I'm not the only one. I'm not mad. Not mad. I tell you, not mad. And besides, when our robot overlords take over, I'll be in their good books if I say that. Remember I said that. I like automation. I like machine learning. I like AI. I'm your friend, future overlords. So what else? Oh yeah, I bought a Blu-ray player, hence the title of this episode. And I've done this just as Blu-ray players and Blu-ray disc sales are tanking because of streaming. I bought a Blu-ray player because I have DVDs and my new TV doesn't have a player built in. So what is the point of just buying a DVD player? Might as well sample the delights of Blu-ray. The player I bought was the Sony Blu-ray disc player PDP-S1700. This plays standard Blu-rays, DVDs, CDs, and so on. It was the cheapest, not appallingly reviewed player I could find. It doesn't do 4K Blu-rays, but it does upscale DVDs. It also doesn't do wireless, and it was only formally a smart device because a lot of the smart functionality is now disabled because of provider changes, and that suits me fine. And I have confirmed 
that the smart stuff doesn't work. I wouldn't even have mind if it was a completely dumb device. Really, if you want streaming, get something like a Roku. Because when have you honestly ever known a smart device to be actually smart? They never are, the UIs are terrible, and they eventually don't work. Anyway, as the Blu-ray format dies, I have jumped on the Blu-ray bandwagon. I should point out that I don't have fast internet access for streaming, and my temple is the Pound Store and CEX, which is a UK reference. They're just cheap places where you can buy secondhand Blu-rays and DVDs. Oh, and just one extra bit of tech news. I also read that Microsoft recently have stopped supporting XP. XP? Didn't that go ages ago? Well, yeah, it did, but there was also a version for POS systems, point-of-sale systems, and now that has fully stopped being supported with Microsoft not putting out any more updates. So people who were using the consumer version of XP and installing the POS security updates, which was one way to extend the life of XP, can no longer do that. You're bang out of luck, as I am currently with Windows 7, which Microsoft seemed to be slowly abandoning, which you'll know if you've listened to a recent episode of mine. And on to the creative section. I only have one little item here today, and that is about Levelator, the very simple, clever, combined compressor and normalizer that, if you are a podcaster, is very useful. I used to use it quite a lot, but now I only have it on standby and only use it if I really screw up. But it is very useful to have in your podcasting software kit, and that is Levelator. In point of fact, I barely use any effects nowadays. I try not even to use compression or normalization, because it never turns out as good as the raw audio. Or at least, with my fairly cheap setup, any additional overlaying of effects never seems to work out very well. And that really is it for the show today. We're now in the after-show section. Where is my caffeinated beverage? One second. Ah, there it is. In a recent podcast, I already mentioned some upcoming book chats that I'm going to do. But you should also expect upcoming TV chat. I haven't yet caught up with The Last of the Punisher, Jessica Jones, Gotham, The Defenders, or The Big Bang Theory. And by the time I do, we'll probably be in the Game of Thrones final season. So expect something on Game of Thrones as well. And that is it for now. 
The show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. For further reading, there's a link to the show notes in the description of this episode. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend. You could also get in touch with me. That would be useful too. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode 256, recorded on Friday, the 12th of April, 2019, and the time at the end of the show is 2014-27. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye! you have no idea how long that took to edit. Well, maybe you do if you look in the show notes. Ah, oh, it took so long. My caffeinated drink is now replaced by a very, very cold cider. And no alcohol cider. Mum? Oh, I'm really relieved that's over and done with. But if you are still there and still listening, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And let me know what you think. Okay, really goodbye now. I have cider to enjoy. <laughs>